0: All right, B.C. seated, grab your Bibles. We're gonna go back to our story time series that we've been working on for the past few weeks. And the youth did an incredible job last week. If you missed that, we do have it on recording, but we do not have it live, thank you. I've asked them to build me some things, so they're bringing them on stage right now. I'm gonna show you something with this in just a second that God gave me Monday night in our Overcoming Grief class. But I, I thought as, I, as it came to us, as it came alive, that this is something our church needs. And as I was looking at the story that we're going to bring to you today um, from some of you that are maybe visiting with us, uh, we've seen so many people accept Christ in the past few months, over 60 at this point, and we're not keeping actual count of that. It's a thing to celebrate, yeah, and we're thankful for that. But what we're learning and what we're realizing is not everybody knows the stories in the Bible that we assume they know. And I was asking them, how many of you a few weeks ago, about maybe two months at this point, how many of you know the story of Lazarus and the rich man? And most of our church did not know it, and God immediately impressed me, and I think Evelyn as well, it's it's really speaking to her, that we're gonna go back and we're gonna tackle some of these stories and take real life application from the stories of the Bible and, and bring them in. I'm gonna ask you this question. How many of you were raised in church? Meaning from the time you were little, let's say the time you can remember, two, three years old. All the way to now, you went to church all the time, Sunday school, all right, that's what I thought. That is less than half, maybe 30% of the church here today. How many of you say, I was in my teenage years when I got into church? Would you slip your hand up, teenage years? All right, that may be 2% of the church. How many of you, it was beyond your teenage years, 20s and above, when you got into church? Slip your hand up, all right, raise that high. How many of you are recent, recently, just now, getting in church for the first time of your life? Raise your hand and let's see that, okay. All right, this is why we're doing it. And I'm, I'll be honest with you. Um, some of you, if you're not careful, if you've been raised in church, which is 30% of you, 40% of you, your entire life, you'll hear a story and you'll think there's nothing else to get out of it. But the Bible is a living word, right? One thing I know about my kids is they're alive, all right? And because they're alive doesn't mean yesterday's going to be the same today, all right? The things that they liked yesterday, they don't like today. How many of you notice that people change their minds? What about their personalities? You turn from two to three and something happens, right? Right. Am I right? Uh, you, You turn from 20 to 21, something happens. And there's different seasons of life. You go from single to married, something happens. You go from married to now a baby, something happens, things change, right? Sleep schedules and all that. So understand this. Don't think that the Bible is just a book. It has a living spirit that speaks through it. The holy spirit it's god's breath it's god's word inspired on pages so don't say oh i've heard this before and move on don't skip it go back because god will always give you something because it's alive and it's not that the word of god changes but you change and sometimes in our change we need to go back to the word that never changes and learn what we missed before different seasons of life bring different awareness yes or no yes i mean how many of you have ever walked into your house and been like Ooh, something's not good here, right? Maybe my husband's here, right? Like, some, or how many of you have walked in and, oh, something's good happening in the kitchen, right? Yeah, you, you can, you can sense it. Now I'm going to be honest with you. Different seasons of your life create different atmospheres, different circumstances, different things. So today we're going to go back to a very familiar story. It might be brand new to some of you, but we're going to go back to the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. All right, so grab your Bibles if you would. Let's get in there. We're gonna go to Genesis, chapter number 22. We're still proving that the grace of God we find in the New Testament was evident in the Old Testament and that the whole Bible, new and old, are applicable today, all right? Don't fall into this, there's nothing here, there's nothing there. Why Jesus satisfied the law, there's still things to learn from what happened, there's still things to obey in the Old Testament. Say amen, say amen, say amen. I mean, it's true, get that in your head, okay? Uh, The Ten Commandments did not expire. They're they're still relevant. Don't go kill somebody today. All right, here we go. Ready? Look at this. I'm going to give you this right before, and let's just read the story. We're going to go down through it, start verse number one. Just stay with me. Sometime labor, God tested Abraham's faith. Write this in your notes right off the bat. God is going to test your faith. And he's going to test your faith in a way that's going to make you decide whether you have faith or not. He's not going to test your faith in something that's easy. He's not going to test your faith in something that you can control. God's going to call you to an edge of a cliff and ask you to take one more step, metaphorically, not physically today. Don't go to the edge of a cliff and take a step that's not what we're saying. But what I am saying is this. God's going to get you to the edge of what you believe and say, trust me, further than here. God's going to stretch you to the end of what you thought was breakdown and ask you to step out one more time. God's going to take you to a raging sea and tell you to get in the water. God's going to do something. Something today that's bigger than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you, that doesn't make sense to you today. The ultimate desire that God has for you in my life is for us to trust him. Salvation is all about believing. What is belief? It's a trust. It's a faith. You, you, you have nothing today if you have no faith. You got nothing to believe in, nothing to hope for, nothing to grow towards, nothing. If your faith is not there, you are sinking You are falling apart right there without faith it is here's the only time we most of the time see in the word of god this is a rare occasion where god puts the word impossible out without faith it is impossible to please him so by the way can i say this right now if your life is comfortable there's a good chance you're not pleasing to god if everything you've got is easy and you've got a routine and you've got it down, there's a good chance you are not pleasing God. Now that's a real statement, isn't it? Because you, what do we work for? We work for in our life, in our mind, we want to get to a place where it's easy, right? How many of you would want to get to a place where your relationships are easy today? Slip your hand up in the air. Yeah, ain't going to happen. How many of you want to get to a place where your finances are easy yeah, you know what? Hey, if your finances are easy, you need to trust God with them. If your relationship is easy, it's time to start ministering. If you're at a place today where faith is coming easy, there's a good chance you don't have faith in God. There's a great chance you have a faith in yourself. And that kind of faith is leading towards destruction. That kind of faith is very harmful. That kind of faith will not produce kingdom power, kingdom-sized things. Does that make sense? How many of you got it? Nod your head. Let's bobblehead this thing. You Ready? Are y'all hot in the balcony? How many of you good in the balcony? All right. Only half. I should fire up the air, right, Betty? (laughs) I heard some notes. I'm roasting up here. This is my weight loss program. Wear long sleeves and preach. You lose calories as you grow, right? Here we go. Ready? Here it is. Let's read this. It says, God wanted to test Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. That's a great response. If God is calling your name, say, present right like here i am what do you want to say take your son your only son yes isaac whom you love so much and go to the land of moriah go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountain which i will show you by the way god is going to see if the thing that matters most to you you're willing to surrender so that he's the only thing that matters now does it mean necessarily he's going to take it away no but god will destroy an idol all right y'all got this an idol isn't the little Buddha sitting in your house, which that could be. It's anything. Anything you love more than God, anything that would keep you from surrendering to God, anything that would keep you from stepping out in service to God, that is an idol in your life. And I'll tell you this, there's two things God will come after in your life, your mask and your idols. He will tear them down. You know what he says? I am a jealous God. And so here it is. If you've got something you really love right now, you better be giving it to God. Now, you're saying, are you threatening us? No, I'm just simply saying this. God knows that if you lean on something that's not him, it will fail you. And God is not interested in your fall apart story. He's interested in your success story. And so God will say, that is going to destroy you, so lean on me. That's what he says. Hey, the son you love the most, let's go. So the next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, and took two of his servants along with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set out for the place that God had told him to, uh, about. Can I, can I say this to you? Uh, can you imagine the thought process and emotional torment it was for a, a father to cut the wood that you're about to take to sacrifice your only son? Now, I, I know you sit here, and if you're not careful, the world will try to twist this and say, look how cruel God is. But can I tell you this right now? God is not on a hunt to take things away. He's not on a hunt to to, to strip you down. He's really on a hunt to prove to you how much he values you and the things that matter to you. God doesn't just want to be the God that you go to on a Sunday. God wants to be the God you go to Monday through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. God wants to be the one that you're leaning on in all things. Are you following this today? God knows that you love things, love people, and he's okay with that. He's not okay when you love them more than him. And so here he is. He says, hey, do this. He chops the wood. Then on the third day, which circle that, symbolic of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. Can you imagine this? You're calling something that's tragic in your life worship. But then you got a faith statement. And then what's the next word? We will come in. You know what I believe? I believe Abraham had a faith it, it, that that, that kind of sounds like this I don't believe God's going to take him But I do believe if God does take him God will bring him back You know why? Because Abraham knew the promise that God gave him Anybody shout out the promise? We've talked about this past couple of weeks What's the promise that Abraham had over his life? Talk to me He'd father, He'd father a nation He'd have a ton of descendants He would actually bloodline usher Jesus Christ So understand that all Jews would descend from him Matter of fact, a few chapters earlier, he takes him from Abram to Abraham because you're going to be bigger than where you started. That's really go back and read a couple of chapters and that's literally what God told him. Matter of fact, maybe that needs to be said to some of you today. Maybe God needs to be able and allowed to do an identity change in you because what you believe is possible in your life is very limited to the plans that God actually has for your life. And our identity can't be wrapped up in our abilities or talents and what we have. Our identity has got to be wrapped up in the possibilities that God is going to take me further than I think I can go. And God is going to do more in me than I think can be done. You are not insignificant. You are not devalued. You are not worthless. You're not a peon. You were not created to just blend in on earth. You were not created for a mere existence that didn't matter. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe wants to speak through your lungs. He wants to do things through your life. He wants to raise a kingdom work. God isn't interested in building something temporary in your life. God is interested in building something eternal. And God is not just interested in building your eternal life. He's interested in building there's eternal life through you you matter to the kingdom today. You're a threat to hell today You matter to God today, and there's something big he wants to do in each and every one of you there are no Insignificant people here today because a very significant God gave breath into your lungs. you matter He wants to do something And so as we look at this and we realize that here it is, he's saying, hey, I'm gonna go worship with my son, I'm gonna come back with my son, because I believe in the promises God has for me. Now, I'm preaching this today from one of the hardest weeks I've had, one of the most emotional weeks I've had, one of the most anger-filled weeks I've had, um, bad mood-filled weeks I've had, wanna knock somebody's head off weeks I've had. Anybody else had a bad week like that today? All right, there we go. If you're sitting by that person, watch their arms now here's the thing sometimes we don't preach from the abundance we preach from the conviction and here's the conviction sometimes I try to carry my life instead of letting God carry it for me sometimes I try to figure it out instead of trusting the plan any me twos in here sometimes worry is my worship and by the way worry Satan worship sometimes doubt is my song it's not always good I don't always have confidence because sometimes I take my confidence out of what God's able to do and put it into what I cannot do. Sometimes instead of looking to his word, I look at myself and I fall short. Any me too's in the room today? So today if we're going to talk about this story, I I, I realize I, I gave it a second title. Not only is it the story time series about Abraham sacrificing Isaac, it's actually titled The Load You're Not Meant to Carry. So Abraham placed the wood of the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried listen to this the fire and the knife. Sometimes the calling's hard isn't it? The sun's carrying the igniter your little boys walking up the hill in front of you and that's your hopes your dream It's what you waited 100 years to see born. Some of you sit in this room today have have dreamed certain dreams of your life and and, and hope for certain things. You're praying for your kids right now, and you're praying for your spouses. You're praying for someone you love to get off drugs, or you're praying for something to be reborn. You're praying for the salvation of your children, or you're, you're praying for the orphan. You're praying for the poor. You're, you're pleading out for our nation. I, I'll be honest with you right now. If you are a child of God, your heart should be broken for America and its spiritual condition today. We should be pleading out to God. But I'm going to tell you this right now. The church needs to stop praying and asking God to do what God can do when the church isn't willing to do what God's asked it to do. Get rid of your sin, all right? Confess those things. We can't live like the world and then expect God to use us, but we can surrender it all to heaven and expect heaven to come down and do something. I believe today, I believe it, that the end is coming. If you believe that, say yes. Yes. But I know my Bible says this, and at the end there will be dreams there will be visions there will be revival there will be a breakout and I look at that and I say hey persecutions coming but persecution brings revival it brings opportunity and so I don't want to sit back and believe that people are just gonna stop going to church I don't want to sit back and believe that people are just gonna stop listening to the gospel if you know your prophecy you know that God is going to pour himself out in the last days you can be hidden in a trench not seeing it or you can be out in the battlefield knowing that if it's coming and Jesus is coming, then revival is coming too. And there are going to be people that want to hear. There are going to be people that are leaning on. There are going to be people that are looking for answers and looking for hope. And so it's like this. With every bad thing that happens in the world shows the goodness of God, the greatness of God. And I want to be a church that's part of the revival, not a church that's in hiding. I don't want to be found faithless at the end. I want to be found faithful. And I think that should be on the heart of every single person sitting here. It should be our call. Hey, revival, has it already started? I mean look around you you're sitting in a broken church full of broken people a church that a lot of people don't believe should exist a church that a lot of people have tried to shut down but yet every time we surrender more people give their heart to Christ more hey we're we're, we're sitting in a room full of not perfect people full of mistakes there's thieves in the room drug addicts in the room adulterers in the room there are people who have lied and cheated and stole There are people who have murdered in the room. There are people who have done all kinds of evil things, but there are also the same people who have found the grace of God that believes that the cross actually works and that an empty tomb represents a new beginning and a new life. You are in a place of people where Satan has tried to take them out, but every time he did it, God did something bigger. If that's your story today, why don't you just give a shout real quick of how good God's been in your life. Isaac turned to Abraham, verse number 7, and, and said, Father, yes, yes, my son, Abraham replied, We have the fire, and we have the wood, the boy said. But where's the sheep? We got everything for the burnt offering, except the sheep. I love verse 8 God will say the next word say it again say it again Oh bankruptcy might be on your doorstep divorce might be echoing through the halls of your home addiction might be screaming your name you might have OD'd more times than you can count you might have been dead more times than you deserve to be alive you might have gone too far You might be standing today with a fire of destruction and with a knife of death You might have everything That should destroy your life in your hands in your actions and in your story But the truth is this there's a sacrifice that's been made for you There's a lamb that's been provided for you And You might say there is nothing good in me. There's nothing good. I can do but God will what's the word? provide so stop declaring The end and start beginning to believe today that God has a plan for you you know what I love about this story is Isaac is actually a symbol of Jesus here I wrote down this real quick this is this is one of those freebies right write it down real quick in this all of history depends on Isaac right if Isaac dies the promise dies all history depends on him from him Jesus will come and now he's about to die but I'll say this today isn't that the same with Jesus all history began with him and because he's alive we're alive because Isaac's alive Jesus was alive there's a symbol here these are the cool moments of the Bible matter of fact uh, look at this he's the only one Isaac's the only son what did God give you today his only son it's Paul on Sunday let's celebrate this for God so loved the world that he gave what His only son. So God looks at Abraham and says, you're going to be a symbol of me. Abraham representing God. He looks at Isaac and says, you're going to be a symbol of my son. And here it is. Isaac being the only hope of all history. Isaac being the only one. Gets on an altar. I like this. Isaac carried wood. Jesus carried a cross. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son to complete the will of God. God was willing to give his only son to complete the salvation process for all of mankind. Abraham was obedient, and so was Isaac. Here's the truth. Isaac winds up on the altar. How? Think about that. A faith in the father that said, God said, I'm going to sacrifice you, son. I'm going to have to do this. Get on The my Bible says that when God looked at Jesus hanging on the cross that it shattered his heart He turned his back and the earth grew dark and the earth quaked I've said this all the time if you don't believe grief is real Then you haven't read Matthew 27 correctly because when God's heart broke the earth couldn't contain it Stop thinking you're broken today because you're hurt God knows what it's like to hurt Stop thinking you have no faith today because you've lost a loved one and you cannot get over it. God knows what it's like to see someone die and not be able to watch. But the Bible says in Corinthians he's the God of all comfort who will comfort you in your day of trouble so that you will be able to comfort others with the same comfort you were given of God you know what my prayer is for the broken today God you needed comfort you needed healing give what you needed when Jesus was dying to the people I love today yeah. we don't serve a God that's out of touch we serve a God that knows you know what I like about this Hey, Isaac was obedient and willing to get on the altar. Jesus was obedient and willing to get on a cross. What a perfect illustration. For people that say you can't find grace in the Old Testament, I I have to say this too. You are biblically stupid. It's always there. From A boat that God put Noah on to save mankind from from David being restored to a man after God's own heart You cannot read the Old Testament without finding that God is a liberator God is a defender in Exodus It says hey the Lord is a warrior and Yahweh is his name God is seeking God is reaching God is helping and God is healing not just today He's done this for all mankind for all of history go back and read the stories why it will remind you That God has not changed And why, why Would he bail Abraham out And leave you in destruction Why Would he take an adulterous man like Abraham And build a great nation Out of him Yet take a liar like you and drop you off At the place of Never can use again It Doesn't make sense does it Isaac is a beautiful Illustration of Jesus And the Bible says this that In verse number nine when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go Abraham built an altar arranged the wood on it then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on top of the altar on the wood and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice and at that moment the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven Abraham Abraham yes Abraham replied here I am don't lay a hand on the boy the angel said Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. You know what question echoed in my heart right there? I'm going to ask you the same. What are you holding back that's keeping you from experiencing all that God is pouring out? What are you holding on to today? And you know what he said? You have not withheld. And then he said in verse 13, Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place... Yahweh Yaira, which means the Lord will provide. Will you say that with me, those four words? Ready? The Lord will provide. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about the valley of death or whatever it is you're walking through right now. I want you to think about your fear. I want you to think about your worry. I want you to think about everything you doubted this week, everything you thought couldn't happen this week, everything you think is going to happen in the future, and I want you to say those words as boldly as you can straight to that giant that is calling your name. Ready? The Lord will provide, declare it, the Lord will provide what a word to this day people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided you know what question I wrote in my journal what mountain am I climbing if I don't feel like this is the place that God will be providing on the mountain of who the Lord it will be provided then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven this is what the Lord has said because you've obeyed and have not withheld your son your only son I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you I will multiply your descendants beyond numbers like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants all the nation of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me then they returned to the servants and travel back to beersheba where abraham continued to live I, I i want you to write just three simple things today i'm going to show you an illustration and we're going to be done God is going to ask you for total faith, total trust. I don't know about you, but I have not achieved this yet in my life. Anybody else say, I'm not there yet either? Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to get there? Can I tell you what gets there? Being on top of a a, a mountain with an altar that has your only son on it, being willing to give God everything that matters to you. Not, Not going through the motions. Not coming to church and raising a hand, acting like you praise God, but going out and living like the world. Not coming in and saying, I love God with everything I got, but let's get the offering over with fast because it's convicting to me and I hate it when churches ask for money. That Not saying, hey, I, I, I want this and I need this, but you know what? I'm not going to give up my lifestyle. I'm not going to give up this. I'm going to complain about everything. I'm going to tear down everybody. It's like I'm going to gossip about it and I'm going to expect God to bless my life. No, no, no. When you're willing to get there and say, I got nothing left. I got no shame. I got nothing to gain. I'm just going to lay it right here and I'm going to let God do with what he wants to do with it. When you're willing to surrender all, God's willing to do way more than you thought. It is simply this. Abraham had the promise, but he did not have the standard of the promise He knew that God was gonna make a nation but now because of his faith God says more than the sand on the shores more than the stars in the sky that cannot be counted in other words You know what God's saying? I'm gonna do something so big. It has no end I'm gonna tell you this right now God wants to do that through your life something so big it has no end I have often had people tell me and I'm not gonna get on this today But I've often had people tell me you know if I had a lot of money I'd give to the church well You ain't never gonna have a lot of money because you never give the little money that you do have You say well if I had time you're never gonna have time Anybody else in here a believer that there's always something chasing your time by the way your times more valuable than your money You actually spend your time to get the money So while we're looking at our bank account to see our worth you actually should be evaluating where you're spending your time Because time is the most valuable resource you have. Run out of money, you still have a family. Run out of time, it's over. Y'all with me today? Come on. There's a lot of people that says, you know what? If I could just sing a little better. Well, we'll practice what you got. Sing with what you got. We we tell our our praise team, risk the mute. Be so bad, Joe mute you. Does that make sense? Don't hold back. You know what we're saying? Don't hold back. Even if you're bad, they can mute you. (laughs) Here's the truth. If you're given everything you got, sometimes you're going to go flat. Sometimes you're going to be sharp. But you'll never go flat and sharp holding back. You'll never hit the note that nobody else has hit. Write the song that nobody else has thought of. You say, well, I wrote the song. I'm just embarrassed to sing it. Why would God give you a song for you to keep it in a journal and die with it? my grandmother died with the best biscuit recipe that I've ever had and she was proud to die not giving it off and I have never had a biscuit like hers don't even try don't bring me a biscuit and ask is this like hers because I'm gonna look at you in the face and say no compared to hers it's horrible I I, and maybe I fantasize it because I can't have it thinking about it my mouth's watering but it's been gone now for over 20 years Because what was good in her, she wanted to make about her, and I'm not speaking ill of her. I'm just giving you a choice, an example of what we're doing. What's good about her, she kept to herself and died with it. What good is that? If God's put it in you, let it out. No building that you've ever looked at and said, wow, ever made sense on paper. No, no, No music you've ever listened to that rocked your world, that you hit it on repeat. Anybody else like that you get a song and you ride it until it dies Yeah, I mean you're listening to it 30 40 times in a week Now that Apple music's out you just loop 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 loop. Come on. Where are you at? How many of you you know what happened somebody took a risk They wrote a song that you could have hated But they had it so real in their life that they couldn't hold it back and they put it out And you know what happened it registered to you What would have happened if they'd done the same thing with that song that you and I do with the call of God on our life What if they would have just said I can't it's too big or somebody might reject me or somebody might talk bad about me or somebody may say this What if they had just held it back? There are too many God-sized things going to the grave without ever being accomplished We need people that are willing to say I will build an altar I will lay it on the altar and if I lose everything right here I believe that God's going to give me something to walk back down the mountain with We are going but we are coming back We're going up a mountain that I don't know how it's going to end, but I know that my God is good, and the end of me is not on top of this mountain. The end of the promise is not on top of this mountain. The end of the journey is not on top of this mountain. So you stay here. We're going to worship, and we will come back. It's time the church knows and says that without God, you can't do anything, so you might as well give it all to Him anyway. You might as well risk what God could do. You might as well stand you might as well give a testimony. You might as well shout you might as well witness at work You might as well invite somebody to go to heaven with you go invite somebody to church next week put yourself out there What's the worst that could happen? You ain't gonna die because of it Here it is ready, but there's a good chance. You might not ever live Because you didn't do it That's a real word right? Some people are dead while alive you know what we call that ready write this in and I want you to ask yourself this question are you living or existing today because existing is hell on earth you're supposed to be alive God Jesus even said to his disciples I came so that you could have an abundant life last night Jordan and I got to go on a date for the first time and who knows how long and it, it was it was super awesome five hours and and we were talking this morning and I was like you know and I'll just be real with you. We've had somewhat of a disconnect. Um, and, and when you get disconnected, sometimes you get at each other's throats. Anybody like that? Come on now. Some of you got your hand close to the throat right now. Evelyn, I'm, I'm watching your hand on Kenny. Kenny threw the hand back. Listen, we get distant, other people's opinions get in the way your fears your insecurities start coming out they get isolated then you get connection time and it's like all goes away in that connection time and she actually sent me a text saying there's a sermon in this that the more time of connectivity we spend the more connected we feel right the the more beautiful it is And, and 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 I'll be honest with you if you're going through a struggle with your kids go spend some quality time and don't figure out the world don't talk about all their issues just spend time I'm glad that when I go to the Bible, God's not pointing out everything that's wrong in my life. He's pointing out the good. I mean, how many of you have, we sing that song, all my life you have been faithful. What's the next line? All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness. Y'all know this one. Let's sing it. Ready? God, your. Okay, sing it like you mean it. God. God so Come on, not to, meet him. God, so so to me, him. I love that tag. I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I am whole. I am saved. I might not have every answer, neither do you. I might not have it all figured out, neither do you. But I have a God who knows what I have on the altar. I have a God who's willing to put himself on that altar for me. I have a God, and so do you, that loves us more than we could ever imagine and ever know. A God that never leaves, never forsakes, but a God that wants to know we truly trust him. And if you're sitting here like many people that are saying, what has God ever done for me? You are in a great place of life right now. It doesn't feel it, but right now you're at a place where you're standing at an altar and God is saying, lay your life down and I'll show you what I can do for you. You're Moses hidden in a wilderness holding a stick of a staff that represents an identity you're not supposed to have. Throw it down on the ground. In your hand I say it all the time it is dead. On the ground before God it comes alive. Pick it back up it dies. Lay it down it comes alive. Hey it's a staff to you it's a rod of God to him lay down your life and know that on the third day they saw the altar. They saw the place. On the third day, they saw where they needed to go. On the third day, the end looked like it was in the distance, but on the third day, everything changed. Can't we say the same about the cross today? Today, we're celebrating where they rode in, and everybody wanted him king, so they call him Hosanna. In a week from now, we'll be celebrating what happened after they killed him because they didn't meet their immediate need. Hey, God is not interested in giving you a bell out. God is interested in pulling you out. God wants to change your life not just change your circumstance we say it all the time he's more interested in your character than your comfort and you say well life is uncomfortable then you might be climbing up the mountain of God right now and it's a good place to be here's what God wants you to know ready write it down he wants you to know number one he has a plan he has a plan God's plan for your life more than likely will not make sense, amen? But he's got one. Get the fire, get the knife. Some things need to go, but get the wood and climb the mountain. I got a plan. Number two, he wants you to know he will protect. Can you imagine what Abraham and Sarah had to be going through in this moment? I've often wondered about their marriage in this moment anybody else read between the lines let's not add to or take away from the Word of God but let's say Omar went to Eunice and said I'm gonna take our son and I'm gonna give him to God I'm gonna sacrifice him I'm gonna light him up burn him kill him right here I'll be back in three days actually six journey time you think she's gonna be like you are the best husband in the world Or would it normally sound like this? You mean to tell me we waited 99 years? That in this old age of my life, I risked my life to give birth to this person that you're now saying God's asked you to kill? This doesn't make sense. I mean, do you think that that was a, oh, I'm going to kiss you, can't wait to see you come back moment? Or do you think maybe there was some hesitation? Maybe there was some reservation. Maybe there was a little bit of hostility. But you know what we got to trust is if God calls your family to Africa, if God calls your family to the Muslim countries where they're murdering Christians left and right right now, and that maybe not on the news, and I'm not trying to be all sacrilegious, but there were about 32 countries last year that martyred about 90% of all the people martyred last year, and every one of them had Muslim roots. I'm just putting that out there. And as they're killing the Christians because it's written in the Quran, it's written in uh, their Bible, and they're taking them out, do you think that that the moms and dads are okay with their little boy and girl missionary coming to them and saying, I'm going to go reach people in this country for the name of God, knowing that by reaching people they may die? I remember one of the most impressible moments as I had as a teenager was sitting in a service where a man that was a rocket scientist from NASA stood on the stage of the church and said, my God has called me to Uganda to a tribe where 60% of the kids in that place are orphans because their parents are dying with AIDS. At a 72% rate of the population, people are dying with AIDS. And God has called me to go and rescue the perishing. And you know what happened in That man, he died with AIDS in a village in Africa. And I sat there and I thought to myself, here's a man who has a job and a career that'll make him millions in his lifetime. Saying, I know it's dangerous, but this is where God's called me. I promise you this. I want you to remember this. It is more dangerous to stay in your plan than it is to be in God's plan, even if God's plan seems dangerous right now. Because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? I don't want my little kids to go to hell one day because dad chose comfort instead of standing up for the Lord. I don't want them to get the wrong friends one day. I pray over that now, all the time. I drop Lincoln off at school and I pray for his safety in five areas. Mental, physical, emotional, relational, and then always last, spiritually God. Protect my little boy from any ideology or any lie that might infiltrate his mind to try to keep him from understanding you Don't let anything infiltrate him today. That would take root in his mind. You say he's autistic He doesn't understand you know what I know that boy sandbags us and knows way more than he puts on and the truth is this, I don't want him to grow up with a confusion or an absence of God in his life, but I'm telling you now, my little boy doesn't just need to hear a dad praying for his spiritual state. My little boy needs to see a dad willing to sacrifice to live out a spiritual walk in front of his life. You know how many parents are mad at us right now because their kids got real and talked to us about things that they won't talk about at home? And you know why they're mad? Because they, why wouldn't they come to me? Because you cuss like a sailor every time they turn around. You scream at them and put them down. You devalue them. You beat their mom. You beat their dad. You run out every chance you get. You're drunk all the time. And you're sitting there saying, come to me? No. I'm looking at them and saying, run to God. And pray that God uses you to get to your parents. You get there. The truth is this. There's no greater protection than being in God's will. But I I remember from Whitney's graduation, the the most unsafe place to be with the safest place at the same time is in the will of God. He never promised it would be easy. I get ridiculed all the time for preaching. But it's what I'm called to do. And at some point in my life, I got to be okay. But well, there will be a day I stand before God and answer if I did what he wanted me to do or not, not before the people that say I should or shouldn't, but the one that said, I put a calling on your life and I didn't take it away just because you try to mess it up doesn't mean I'm done. Yeah. And the same is true for you. Some of you came in high today. I've already seen your pupils. And I'm okay with it. You know why? We say it, I, I'll give you a statement. Please write it down. We, we use it all the time. There's no high like the most high, and I don't care how high you are, you still can get to him. Yeah. And I promise you this once you get to him, you live for him, you serve him, and you give your life for him to other people. You will get something out of that life that you never got out of your drug, I promise. Yeah. If you got God in the front, it will keep you moving. It's a high that's better than your pornography. It's a high that's better than your endorphins. It's a high that's better than all the things going off in your head. It is a high that will lead, guide, and protect you. It is a high that will take you to levels of achievement that you've never thought you could see. There's no God like that one true almighty God. He wants you to trust him. Number three, and we're almost out. You provide. I wrote some questions down. Have you ever said this statement? It's in my notes. I literally got it in my notes. Have you ever thought in your life that this is your only shot to make it? This is my only shot. And you put so much pressure on you. Maybe you're trying out for a team, or maybe you're trying out for an audition, or maybe you just made a huge investment in your business, and you think this is my only shot. And the next thought that goes through my mind is, I can't blow this. If I blow it, I let my family down. If I blow it, it's over. Have you ever thought it's, uh, it's all or nothing? You're all in. How many of you have ever been there at some season of your life, some point of your life? There's a good chance, and I'm talking to me here, there's a good chance that those are the thoughts in your mind that you're the one trying to protect your family. I spent this whole year trying to protect my family, trying to set them up trying to get things rolling that would secure their financial freedom, secure their hopes, secure their dreams. I'm constantly thinking about how I'm going to pay for my kids' school, college. How am I going to buy them a car, afford this and that? How many of you parents are there? you Have been there? Slip a hand up in the air. Yeah. Any of you parents sometimes think you want to keep them from all danger, all harm, Let me ask you this, can you avoid pain? Then how in the world do you expect for them to be able to overcome pain if you try to make pain not a part of their life? Heartbreaks change you, don't they? They strengthen you, don't they? They teach you something, don't they? How many of you have ever said this statement? My family depends on me. You know what that is? You're trying to be their provider. I wrote this. I needed this. Maybe you need it too. God gives us the ability and the opportunity. You didn't create it. God gave it to you. And all he asked is that we just be obedient and follow through. You do not have to create the way today. You do not have to figure it out. You just got to be obedient when God says, this is what I want you to do. You got to follow through. You know that. You're living that right now. Take the steps necessary to be the mom that God has called you to be. The opportunities are there, right? The ability's in you, right? You got to trust that God's got a plan. And as you better yourself, it opens the door for everything that God has for you to come back to you. And I promise you this, when God brings it back, he brings it back better. He said, Abraham, you did not withhold from me. I just made the promise better. You didn't hold back. I will hold back. I know in my life sometimes that I think that I got to go to work. I got to do my best. I got I to gotta, I gotta get it all done. But you know what God says? Yes, go to work. Yes, do your best. But depend on God to do the rest. I wrote that down and underlined in my Bible. We have the fire We have the wood, but God has the sheep. We have the fire. We have the wood, but God has the sheep. We got to trust that God has a plan. We got to trust that God wants to do something in our life. We got to lay everything down. And and will you write this down? God does not want to stress you. He wants to bless you. I mean, God doesn't want to break you. He wants to make you. Libby, come here. I did this illustration with Libby earlier. She's very bad at it, so I'm going to do it again. (laughs) All right, stand right here. Let's say that this represents your life and the things that are valuable to you. Somebody yell out something that's valuable to you. Huh? Family. Family. Somebody else? My job. job. What'd you say, Tammy? Kids. kids. We're going to give the jagged one because, man, kids, sometimes you just don't know what they're think. They got all kinds of ideas in there, too. What else? What's... Huh? Oh, my God. Anybody else beat yourself up over your salvation? Yeah. What else? What else? Huh? Your parents. What else, huh? Couldn't hold them up. What else? My friends. What else? Huh? Your pets? What do you worry about? Finances. Come on, Libby. What else? Huh? Relationships. Can I say this? Biggest relationship you should have is your home. Come on, Libby. What about my church? Come on, Libby. Come on, Libby. My workplace. Car, everything else. Is it getting heavy? Is it getting tough? You know why? You weren't meant to carry it. And I don't know about you, but my my head sometimes says that this is all on me. My head sometimes says, you got to be better for your family you got to be better for your church. You need more in the bank account. And I try, and I try, and I try, and it gets heavy. Talk to me. How many of you say, "Me me too? And the next thing you know, what I thought I was holding together starts falling apart. And you know what the enemy starts doing? The same enemy that says, come on, Libby, you can do this. Be everything you can be, you got this, you hold it together, you make it happen, you keep working, you keep trying, don't you dare take a day off. A Sabbath is a, hey, that's a that's a failure. Don't you dare sleep in, don't you dare take a nap, don't you dare stop, don't you dare just trust God. Don't you dare, you're failing, you're failing, you're failing is the same enemy that'll sit here and say, look at the mess you made. You, you thought you were good enough for them, Now your whole home is broken here you're, you're you got nothing left and you keep failing <laughs> you know what I love is we got a Savior that says okay I see the pieces but you didn't build it the way I want you to build it anyway so let's get this going let me let me put this where it needs to be get behind me Satan all right here we go Joel, you did a great job, but for illustrated purses. <laughs> we have a God that says, hey, 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 here's what I want you to do. I want you to take what you got, and I want you to give it to me. Casting all your cares on him. Why? Can he hold your kids? Can he hold your pets? Can he hold your family? Can he hold your finances? Can he do it? And he's been doing it the whole service. It didn't fall apart until we picked it up. And you're sitting here and you're saying, I got to figure out, I got to do this. I got to make it happen. I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And God's saying, hey, lay it on an altar. Lay it down. You can't carry it. It's not meant for you to carry. It's meant for you to say, okay, i got pieces left, but God, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to give it to you. I've got broken. I've got this. I, you know, I, I told him Monday night, one of my favorite scenes in a movie is the movie Tom Hanks Terminal, where the guy got stuck in the airport. True story. Couldn't leave. His nation fell apart. Passport wouldn't let him go forward. He lived in a terminal, and to keep his mind active, he went around at the airport, took apart all the broken pieces, went to a constructive site with all this broken glass and built a muriel of beauty. And we sit here, and the enemy says, what a mess. And God steps in and says, now I got an opportunity. Now I can do what I wanted to do in the first place. Now, hey, hey, don't throw that knife down, Abraham. God has noticed that you trust him. So over there is the sacrifice. Over there's the provision over. There's the protection everything you need is in Jesus Christ It's not in your abilities. It's not in your talent. It is not in your work. Your work. is not your worth It is in God and some of us desperately to save our lives save our minds save our marriages save our homes Save our jobs need to run to God and say okay, God. I'm not carrying it anymore. I Can't do it. I've done it long enough So I should bow your heads and close your eyes and nobody look around How many of you today, need a metaphorically or in an analogy, how many of you today need to get to the altar and lay everything down and let God hold it? Because what you're carrying is about to destroy you. Would you slip your hand up? Let's see it. How many of you raise your hand and say, that's me? Raise that high. Come on. How many of you say, that's me? That's most, a lot of hands going up. Then today I'm going to do this. I'm going to have Casey come play a song. I hope you don't come barefoot because there's Legos on the floor but I'm gonna ask you right now whether you find your seat where you're sitting in and make it an altar or whether you get to an altar here at the front I'm gonna ask you just to bring it to God whatever it is that you are carrying and lay it down if it's sin if you're faithful hey if you confess he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse if it's your anxiety if it's your family if it's trying to figure everything out if it's trying to take care of your kids trying to raise your adult kids whatever it is i'm going to ask you right now just to give it to god because i promise you this if you keep carrying it it Won't work. I love this. They went up the mountain with fire. They went up the mountain with a knife. They went up the mountain with wood, but they came down the mountain empty-handed, holding each other's hand. Here's the truth. They left it all on the mountain, and at some point, you're going to have to leave it all in the hands of God so that you can make it to where you need it. I love that verse. He went back to Bathsheba, and I like this next thing, and lived he went back and lived stop existing start living they wrote it this way in the New Testament for me to live is Christ and to die is gain we used to sing an old hymn when I was growing up all to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him and in his presence daily live I surrender all I surrender some of you carry such resentment towards people because you think you're their God and you need to lay it down surrender them well I don't agree with what they did the cross covers their sin too well you don't know I don't need to know I don't know everything I need to know about you right I don't know everything you've done all I need to know and all you need to know is that God hey he makes it all right The, the playing field at the cross is level There's no greater or less sinner. There's just grace. There's just mercy. There's forgiveness. We need a people that says, okay, even if I mess this up, God will get me through. Even if I'm in pieces, God will pick it up. No matter what, God's my protector. God's got a plan. God's my provider. So here I am. I'm laying it to you. Now, I'll be honest with you. I do believe you need moments in your life that you get to prayer. That's what we're creating today. A moment that you're going to go to God and say, God, I got to get this off my chest. But I believe following that moment needs to be a moment of action where you say, okay, God, I'm going to go actively live as if you have a plan. I'm gonna go actively live as if you are my protector, and you're my provider. I'll make my decisions through you I'll read them through the word. I'll pray them into existence I'll follow your word. I'll obey it if an altar I need to build today I will build it if a mountain I need to climb today I will climb it, but whatever it is you ask me to do God here. I am from this moment forward. I will make you God and I will surrender all to you and then the process starts And tomorrow it repeats, and the next day again. But it all starts with a moment of you getting with God and saying, Let's be honest, let's talk. So let's stand together. If that needs to be your seat or an altar, as they sing, I don't even know what you're singing, just sing it. Whatever you want to sing. Let's sing one verse, one chorus. We're not going to drag this out. We're not going to get emotional. We're not going to do this. Let's get real. Let's get real. Let's get real. Whatever it is you need to do right now, half the church, you raised your hand saying, hey, I can't carry this anymore. Then the call is this. Lay it down right now.